0: Uh, for those who are new, my name is Chi. I'm a senior pastor here at this church, and to get, today I just got a, a pleasure of inviting our um, guest speaker here uh, this morning. But before I do so, I just want to frame it as part of an initiative that our church does, uh, which is called Together for Clayton and Beyond. Uh, the reason why it's called that is because we believe that Clayton is a strategic hub, and that we know a lot of people come through Clayton, but they go beyond Clayton into different suburbs. Uh, and so it's strategically located, and so therefore we've kind of phrased this collective of churches that gather together, centered on the gospel, to do three things. Number one, to pray. Number two, to partner together and to partner with our city. And then number three, to plant and revitalize churches. Amen? Yeah? And so we really believe that um, sort of what happened was uh, four churches plus Cafe Care. So our church as a Church of Christ, St. Andrew's uh, Presbyterian Church with Michael, uh, Pastor Stephen with Regeneration Baptist Church and Pastor Charlie from the All Saints Anglican Church, which I was there last week, and Bill Ponticus from Cafe Care, we've kind of connected together, combined to form the Core Leadership Church, and there are other eight other churches that's uh, affiliated with this network. Uh, and so uh, I praise God for that. Yeah, to be able to get churches working together like that is a miracle. Yeah, can we give the Lord a hand? Yeah, yeah. Um, And so one of the key things is that every year you'll see a bit of this rhythm where we'll have the vision prayer night, uh, we'll have the pulpit swap so that you guys will get to know uh, the pastors from other churches and to hear their heart and what God's doing in their heartbeat. But I just want to particularly highlight the dinner for this year, which is the Clayton Community Dinner. It's a really exciting strategic time where we can actually partner together at the next level, where basically we've asked all the churches to gather together, invite the community people that they reach out to in their community ministries, and together we host a Clayton community dinner. We've invited a whole bunch of stakeholders, there's about 25 of them coming, the mayor, the deputy mayor, about four councillors, we've got uh, a member of parliament, we've got principals, we've got someone from the hospital, uh, principal of schools, and and a whole bunch of different industries. So we wanna be able to present a united church that we have a place in this community and we care to walk alongside them to care for the city, for the common good. Amen? Yeah? So, um, yeah, so pray for that, yeah? Pray for favor with God and man. yeah? Uh, and then for us to be able to uh, see God move through that dinner and to be able to reach our community to see that we really need to do this together if we want to see the gospel reach into the city, yeah? We can't do it as one church. Now, I guess as part of that, uh, I just want to invite, um, you know, welcome, can we give them a warm welcome, uh, Pastor Michael and Carrie, his wife? Yeah? yeah come up. Now, uh, Pastor Michael is uh, the senior pastor at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, and I believe you, you came here at, uh, in the end of 1988 uh, to be the minister at that church when Amen. I was eight years old. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so he used to have an experience in town planning, then he got trained in the theological college at the Presbyterian uh, denomination. Uh, but I really appreciated you, Michael, like, you know, the years that we've kind of spent together, your voice uh, for prayer and your passion for holiness, mm-hmm. and also to believe uh, for revival uh, in this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, those who do not know, uh, David Brownless, who used to be the previous senior pastor of this church, approached Michael and together, mm-hmm. they started this prayer network decades ago. Mm-hmm. And really, it's the fruit of your perseverance. Mm-hmm. It's the fruit of your perseverance in faith and bring every encouraging people to come together uh, that is really the, the foundation for why we even have together for Clayton today. Uh, so I just want to say thank you. I think you're one of the longest pastors in Clayton. Probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> the most experienced. Yeah. Uh, but above all else, I think his biggest accomplishment as a young parent is married to Carrie and raised five children who are all serving the Lord Jesus uh, in various ways. Yeah, so... <laughs> So, how about uh, we stretch out our hands, let's uh, pray for him, and then as he brings the word to us. Mm -hmm. Lord God, I I just want to thank you uh, for the way you've called different people at different seasons and different times to be here. Lord, we know that you are the hero of the story, Mm -hmm. and we're just part of it. But we thank you that we get the privilege of being a part of it. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I thank you for the way Michael has been so faithful the way your grace has kept him, Mm. to be faithful for all those decades, God. Uh, For us to be able to reap the fruit of prayer and of the perseverance of faith, to be able to see churches unite together Mm. for the sake of the gospel, but also for the common good of our city. Mm. God, we just pray for your blessing and your anointing as he brings your word. Speak to each and every one of us in your name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much for
1: the warmth of welcome, not just from Chi, uh, Eugenia. Thank you for your warm welcome and the people who prayed for us uh, before the service. Uh, It's a privilege to be here. Um, Chi came last year to our church and in part of this um, new development, this Together for Clayton gathering, um, he asked me what he should preach on. And uh, he said, should I I preach about the theme of the, the gathering or should I share something about myself? And I said to him, gee, share something about yourself. And he shared his story with us. There wasn't a dry eye in the church. We were deeply touched by God's work in the life of your pastor. He's humbled him. He's stripped him at times. Brought him extremely low, but he's not left him, and he's given him the grace to continue trusting in the Lord Jesus. We were greatly blessed by that time. I thought today, what what do I share with you? Um, well, I wanted to share a little bit about myself. I looked at the young people over here, and I thought, you know, I was once your age, you know. <laughs> and and. And I really didn't know Jesus at all. I didn't know God. I I was going forward in the world. I was very keen on sport. I played sport at a very high level in, in Melbourne, both cricket and hockey, and had success. But I was trapped in sin, sexual sin, bondages of the world. And when I came to know Jesus, he set me free. He set me free. He gave me this beautiful wife. I've been married for 41 years now. And, and I love her more now than ever. And if you love Jesus, that will be what will happen for you. He will give you what I'm going to talk about today, which is extraordinary. I've got five children and nine grandchildren. As she said, all my children have come to know Jesus as their saviour. Hallelujah. No greater, no greater blessing can one have than know that your children know the Lord Jesus as their saviour. Well, uh, I started praying with David Brownness. Uh, actually, in his office, it was a different building to this. <laughs> um, and, and he just called me up one day and said, Michael, we need to pray. Well, one of the pastors in Clayton had accused me of being a person that just wanted to pray all the time. <laughs> and, and so when I went to David's office, I was so thankful that a pastor wanted to pray because, you know, really we can't do very much, but God can do amazing things. And so the gathering that we've come together with the gathering of people. And it's been extraordinary because in a community to have gospel-hearted pastors who love Jesus Christ, who love the word of God, who want to walk in truth and holiness, all in the one community. Who's done that? Who has done that? In answer to our prayers, he's put godly men in the Anglican church, in uh, uh, Stephen Tan who came to plant a church there down Regeneration. People who love God deeply. Stephen preached at our church last Sunday and uh, we were deeply touched. This is a work that God is in because he hears our prayers. And next, on, on the 10th, uh, I, I will lead a small, small section and I thought, what should I share about this? If you want to love God, you've got to know God. You've got to know him to love him. And how do you get to know God? That, I guess that's a great question. How do, how do you get to know God? Well, hopefully today I can share with you something of how you can get to know God. You need to encounter him. You need to encounter him personally in your own life. As I said before to the young people, you know, I was trapped in sexual sin and all sorts of things that I was hiding until I was able to bring it out into the open and see what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary. He set me free. Well, that's why I've been preaching for 34 years but in 2013 my wife and i went on a journey Uh, it was long service leave we had 13 weeks overseas we went to do ministry as well as to have some rest but before i went i felt the lord say to me michael you need prayer you need people to pray for you while you're overseas you're going to be in settings we were going to india we're going to south sudan We were going to Kenya and South Africa and Europe. And in all those places, we were going to do ministry of some kind. You need people to pray for you. So I sent out a hundred prayer letters. Over a hundred people were informed of every detail of our trip. The whole itinerary, where we were going to be. And I said, please pray for us. There was some of the pastors here who were at the time who were praying. Some of the ministers in my Presbyterian church were praying. My congregation was praying. My family was praying. And we went on this this journey, encountering God. And we arrived in India. Uh, I was uh, was introduced to Indian food. I was introduced one night to... uh, To a meal in a Hindu home, they lavished us with Indian food and I ate ravenously, including taking a drink called a cleansing drink. Little did I know what a cleansing drink actually does to you. (laughs) The next day I had to preach twice in another town in Baroda, which was about two hours drive away. And during the service, the second service, God said, I want you to change the message. I want you to preach about global warming. I want you to preach about the fire that is coming. You, you, if you're a Christian, you should not be surprised by global warming. The Bible says that all the elements are going to be consumed with fire. There's going to be global warming, all right. And we begin to start to see some of these taking place on the earth. There's going to be warming. And I felt God say, remember, who survived the fire in the Bible? Who was able to stand in the fire? Of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three men in Babylon, who were thrown into the fire. Why were they thrown into the fire? Because they refused to bow down to the world's agenda. And the world has an agenda. It is pressing it forward. You young people particularly, you are going to be feeling this. You need to take hold of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because they survived the most incredible uh, event, probably, one of the most incredible events in the Bible. You know, the men that threw them into the fire died. But these three men were thrown into the fire because they wouldn't bow down. And then they met Jesus. Right there, he joined them in the fire, and not even one hair of their heads was singed. And Nebuchadnezzar, who'd lifted up this golden image, looked at these men and called them out and knew they worshipped the living God. Now, today, people in the world need to see you guys. And us too. And God doing such things for us, they will say, you worship the living God. Well, I got into a car. Actually, before the service, I asked the pastor, I said, you know, where's the toilet? I had the cleansing drink all the night before I had been cleansed, let me tell you. And, I needed, and the toilet was about 100 metres away from the pulpit. And I was, Lord Jesus, please help me. He sustained me all through that. <laughs> Two services, the change of the message. I got into a car with my wife and our dear friend Alex Christian. Some of you may know Alex. He had taken us there, three men, into a hired car, driving back to Underbud from Baroda. And the hired car driver seemed to come under a demonic power at one point and drove the car absolutely incredibly at about 100, between 90 and 100 k's an hour, hit the middle of the median strip, bounced off the car next, flipped twice in the air. We were up in the air, flipping around, thinking this is it, this is the end. We landed on the roof of the car and it went down, no seat belts, by the way, We landed on the roof and skid down the freeway. There's the car. The wheel snapped off the front. And we got out. Not even one scratch. Who was that? My wife and I... Virtually in tears by the side of the freeway with these Indians gathering around saying this. My foes are many. They rise against me. But I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war. I will not fear the storm. My help is on the way. My help is on the way. Oh my God. He will not delay. My refuge and strength. Always. I will not fear. His promise is true. My God will come through. Always. Always. My wife went, our dear friend Alex, what an amazing fellow. He sees a car coming by, he, ha- he flags it down, he gets the stuff out of the back He come on, quick, jump in this car. We go whizzing back to Ahmedabad before the police could come. He said, if the police came, we might be stuck in India for the next few months. He had great wisdom. I think Panin was talking about wisdom at the start of the service. But this was God. This is an encounter with God. For us, a real God, a living God, a God who loves us and cares for us and protects us, just like He protected those three men. And the Bible is full of experiences of people encountering God. You know, at the beginning of the New Testament, you have 400 years of silence from God. Just think of that. Not not a few days, not a few weeks. You know, you and I, we want to hear God, don't we? We come to church and we say, I want to hear God. 400 years. The desperateness of the people of God. That he would come and meet them and he would break through to them. And the beginning of the New Testament is a prayer meeting. Zechariah goes into the temple to offer incense as prayer, and all the people, Luke says, are outside praying. What happens? Well, God comes down. uh, Later on, of course, he comes down to others, but he he comes down as an angel to Zechariah. He comes down as an angel to Mary, to Joseph, and then to the shepherds. This is God meeting man. What is the kind of response when God reveals himself to, to people? Sometimes people tell me they've met God and they, you know, they were jumping around. And I don't see one example in the Bible of that. I see people deeply humbled. These shepherds were in fear. They were awestruck by God. And then he said to them, do not be afraid. They were trembling, but he showed them his love for them. He said, Don't be afraid. This is meeting God. Then when Jesus grows up and goes out in ministry, you know, here is the holy one, the one who has no sin at all. The one whose heart is flowing out in love continually, all the time. What is flowing out of Jesus is love. Remember, Paul says to Timothy, the aim of Christianity is this, Timothy, love that flows out of a pure heart. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. Remember that verse. It's the whole of Christianity. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. The aim of our charge is love that flows out of a pure heart. You see, when I was trapped by sexual sin, love couldn't flow out of my heart. But God has given me love for this lady here. For 41 years. And I love her more now than ever. Because God purifies our hearts. He cleanses us. So that we can flow in his love. And Jesus flowed in love all the time. Unbroken love flowed out of Jesus. And there was a woman caught in adultery. Just like me. Who's thrust before him on the ground. She's full of shame and guilt. and she's She's... She's knowing that her condemnation is death. She deserves to die. And everybody else is saying, yeah, come on, throw the stone at her. And Jesus, you know, we hear the story he writes on the ground. She encounters him. Holy God. But what does he say to her? After having challenged all her accusers. All the ones who pointed the finger at her. Where are your accusers? Do you know there was only one who was legitimately entitled to throw a stone at her? There was only one person in that setting who could rightfully have stoned her to death. It was Jesus. And he said to her, where are your accusers? Go, sin no more. What did she encounter there? Incredible love, overwhelming love, and she's deeply, deeply touched. That's encountering God, that's the real living God. But what about when Jesus, in his disciples, he takes Peter, James, and John? He says, I want you to come with me to pray. I'm going up a mountain to pray. And as he is praying, his whole being is transfigured. why, Why did that happen? Because when you pray, friends, when you genuinely pray, you connect with heaven. Why are you praying? Prayer is connecting with heaven. Jesus is connecting with heaven. And he is so connecting with heaven that his whole being is transformed. He is shining and appearing next to him are Moses and Elijah. Can you imagine that? Peter, James and John. Moses and Elijah. Wow, heaven is real. Hey friends, heaven is real. Do you believe that? I hope you do because you're going to need to. You're going to need to believe heaven is real. We are so caught up in loving the world. We're so indulged in it. We're so captured by it. It's ruling our time, our energies, our affections. But God wants us to be heavenly minded. He wants us to capture what he has prepared for us. He wants us in this community as his people to be so caught up with heaven that others would know it. You know, when I came to Clayton, there were two things that absolutely broke my heart in the church. The first one was this, God helps them who help themselves. That is a total lie. God helps those who cannot help themselves. And the other one was this, oh, he's too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Who was the most heavenly minded man who ever lived on earth? Jesus. Was he in the earthly good? We friends are to be caught up into the heavenly places. And Peter, James and John realised it was prayer that caught them up or caught Jesus up with the heavenly places. Well, what about the man called Saul who was on the road to Damascus about to... Persecute other believers. What happened to him? He encountered the living God. The same Jesus who met the woman caught in adultery met Saul on the road to Damascus. He encountered God. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Persecuting me? But I'm persecuting people. No, 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 no. You're persecuting me. If if you are persecuted as a Christian, it's not you being persecuted. It's Jesus in you. It's Christ in you. It's being opposed by Satan and all his forces. And here is Saul on the road. He deserves what does he deserve? Just like the woman. He has this encounter with the living God. He is Led blind into Damascus, another man called Ananias has a dream from this, well not a dream, an appearance of the Lord, speaking to him and telling him, Ananias, go down and and place your hands on this man Saul, I've chosen him. Just imagine you being told, go down and get your worst enemy and put your hands on him, I've chosen him. And Ananias does this. He goes down, puts his hands on Saul and begins to pray for him. And the Holy Spirit of God comes upon Saul and fills him with what? What does the Holy Spirit fill you with? Love. God is love. Paul says... God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Paul is filled with love. He's overflowing there in that room with the love of God in his heart. And this experience of encountering love in such deep dimension causes him to be broken. Just like another man. In the Old Testament, there's a man called Isaiah. You might have read Isaiah in the Old Testament. In chapter 6, he meets God. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He encountered the living God. What was the reaction of Isaiah to this encounter? He was so deeply convicted of sin. Every word that came out of his mouth, he was conscious, had an impact on others around him. The whispering words of gossip that are so easily spoken have impacts. And Jesus said, you'll be judged for every single word that comes out of your mouth. Wow. And this man, Isaiah, is suddenly aware of the holiness of God. And he is deeply convicted about things that he says with his mouth. But is he condemned? This is the difference. When you meet God, He doesn't condemn you, but He convicts you. The devil accuses you, condemns you, crushes you. God convicts you of your sin, and then He says, I'm here to cleanse you. I'm here to wash you. I'm here. He takes a burning coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's mouth, and He says, You are clean. You are free. That's what he said to me when I was a young man, when I was caught in sexual immorality. He said, you are free. I died for you to set you free. To pour my love into your heart. And Isaiah, of course, is known as the great prophet of the Old Testament. He writes about Jesus like no other person, doesn't he? He encountered God. And he could not help but talk about Jesus, even 700 years before he came. So, where do I take you in the scriptures after telling you all these things about encountering God? Because friends, you don't need to encounter God once. You need to go on encountering God. See, Paul says in Philippians, I I want to know him. What? Paul wants to know him? He writes all this amazing stuff about Jesus and he still says, I want to know him. I want to press on to know the Lord. So in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 to 21, and this is the text of scripture that I want you to take home. I want you to ponder over it. I want you to think about what it's saying and I want you to do it. Because if you do it, God will come down. If you do this for your brothers and sisters, God is going to come down. You see, Paul says, he's after telling his, his audience, the Ephesians, basically what I've told you, the encounter with God, the amazing experience of knowing God, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees. Is that how you pray? Is that how you pray? Is that really how you pray? Is that really how you pray? In your heart? You know, the posture of prayer is not demanding something from God. Is not telling Him what to do. Is not jumping up and down. It's getting down on your knees. You are praying to the awesome God of the universe. Now, of course, you don't have to do it physically, but sometimes it's helpful to do it physically. What's the posture of our hearts when we pray? Here's the Apostle Paul. He says, For this reason, because of this God, because of what He can do, I bow my knees before the Father. You know, next Sunday's Father's Day, isn't it? Whose Father's Day is it? Because today's Father's Day. And next Sunday will be Father's Day. And the Sunday after that will be Father's Day. Every Sunday is Father's Day. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I bow my knees before the Father. This is Paul. And he is praying not for unbelievers. He's not praying for people who don't know Jesus. He's praying for people who do know Jesus. And we have a new father, don't we, as a Christian? That's the wonderful thing, actually. I've been a father of five children. And this is good for fathers. You hear this for Father's Day. You need to get on your knees and say sorry to them. Oh, yes. When you judge them wrongly. When you've treated them harshly and out of frustration rather than out of love doesn't mean you don't discipline them. But you need to humble yourself and acknowledge you are not the perfect father. There is only one perfect father and he's your father in heaven. And they need to know him as their father. I had the privilege, my youngest son said to me I was going to marry him five years ago to his wife. He came up to me, Dad, I've got something to ask you. I said, what is it? I want you to be my best man. I thought, what? I'm meant to be marrying you. I had the privilege of being my youngest son's best man at his wedding. And he calls me bro. (laughs) Bro. Because we only really have one perfect, loving, good father. We sing it, don't we? You're a good, good father. And he knows us personally. He knows us by name. He knows every family, Paul says, the father from whom every family in heaven on earth has been named. He knows your family. He knows the struggles, the battles, the issues. He knows we're fathers of wrong children, we're children of wrong fathers. It's the other way too, you need to say sorry to your dad too. <laughs> I have to say sorry to my dad, I was living in his house after I married my wife. He very kindly asked me to come back there. I struggled to come back under his authority and I used to react all the time. And God said, my friend, you've come under his authority now, you need to Apologise. It goes both ways. Malachi chapter 4. The last text of the Old Testament is preparing for Jesus. And what does it say? He'll turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers so they get reconciled and prepare to find a new father through Jesus. It's fairly simple. But Paul is praying here. He prays to this father. On his knees for his brothers and sisters. That according to the riches of his glory. He may grant you. To be strengthened. Now every one of us here today needs to be strengthened. Not by me. Not by human agents actually. By God himself. It's good to be able to impart blessings to our brothers and sisters. We did some of that, I think, before the service today. But there's nothing more powerful than God doing it by his spirit. And Paul knows this. He says, he bows his knees to pray for these Ephesians, and he's not with them, he's way away from them, praying to the Father that they would be strengthened with dunamis. it says in the Greek, dynamite. The power here of God through the Holy Spirit is dynamite power. Explosive power. Encounters with God. He prays to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. You see, Christ lives in you. But the reality is, friends, we are living in this world. And Christ in us is constantly oppressed, opposed and we find our faith dwindling and the reality of his presence, where are you, Lord? And Paul knows that. So he prays for his Christian brothers and sisters, this prayer, that they might be strengthened with dynamite power through his spirit in their being, so that that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Oh, but you say, why what, what does he pray for that? Christ already dwells in my heart. You see, you need to pray for this. You need to pray that there is a release of power from the Heavenly Father in the life of every believer, that the Spirit in them will be energized and released so that Christ is dwelling in their heart by faith and he is released through them. It's not a prayer for unbelievers, it's a prayer for Christians. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded. You know, the roots of our life draw on, on, on things. We can put our roots in the world, you know, with all of its activities and I was mad keen on sport, and sport still has a dragging influence sometimes on me. You can go down into this and the roots will sort of come into your being. And you'll end up affected by what you're drawing from the roots. But Paul is praying here that you be rooted and grounded in love. And this is not some, you know, soft, uh, mushy love. This is the love of God. This is the powerful love that Isaiah experienced, that the woman caught in adultery experienced. Rooted and grounded in the love of God. And then he says this, that you may have strength or it could be read, that you may be enabled to comprehend. You see, we can't actually comprehend this naturally. We are so well educated. Uh, you know, how many of you have been to university? One. Oh, one. <laughs> Our society is so infatuated with education, thinking it's the answer. It's not the answer. Peter, James and John were common people who had very little education from that perspective. But when the, the uh, world saw them, when the Sanhedrin saw them, they were they wondered. Look at the power released from these men. Look at the love coming out of their hearts. Look, look at the things God is doing through them. And then they realized they'd been with Jesus. That's all. They'd just been with Jesus. And we need, Paul is praying here, verse 18 of Ephesians 3, strength to be enabled to comprehend with all the saints what is the height and length and breadth and depth of the love of Jesus Christ. You see, God wants you and me to experience more of his love every single day. And I would say this, largely, the church is limping. The Christian church in our country is limping. Because we don't really know fully the love of Jesus Christ for us. With such passionate, powerful influence, that we are loosed from all of the roots of the world. And we just want to be with Jesus. We want to be there on our knees. You know, I'm in front of you today because I had a grandfather who came to know Jesus in his, mid, in his 40s in England. He was an English army officer. His name was Lieutenant Colonel Robert Shakespeare. You couldn't get more English than that, could you? <laughs> he came to know Jesus through a man who took a Bible study. And he was an army officer, so he was very regimented in what he did. And he prayed for me every day of my life while he was alive. I didn't know that, of course. But he used to go into his, his, his dressing room, he would call it, in the morning to get dressed. And he would get on his knees by his bed and pray for his family. And every night when he took his clothes off, he went back to his dressing room and got on his knees and prayed, Is it any wonder that I'm in front of you? That's why my five children know Jesus too. Because we prayed for them continually. That they would encounter God. That they would know this Jesus Christ. Personally for themselves. And Paul is praying for this. Not just the once off. This is people who already know the Lord Jesus. To be so moved on in their hearts by the Spirit of God. That they would have power to comprehend with all the saints. What is the height and length and depth and breadth of the love of Christ that then he says, surpasses knowledge. You see, you can't go to university to get this. The only way you can get this is for people to pray for you to have this. For you to pray. That God will encounter you. You will encounter him. You know, there's a lovely line in an old movie called My Fair Lady. Some of us who have grey hair might remember that. Eliza Doolittle, she says to the professor, don't talk of love, show me. And we can talk of love, we can talk about it all you like. But what people need to see is the reality of it in our lives. And we need God to bring that about. You can't do that yourself. Paul is so confident in God's character. He is so caught up in the reality of what God has done for him to transform his life, to save him from going the wrong direction altogether, forgiving him, cleansing him, and setting him out to share the love of Jesus Christ with people. And he ends this passage with the confidence. He says, he knows The one he is praying to. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. God is able to do above what we're talking about today because he's God. But you need to pray. What did Jesus say the church should be? A house of preaching? A house of worshipping? A house of prayer? When we come back to the reality of what Jesus Christ wants his church to be, we will see God come down. We will see God powerfully released in the hearts of his people and in converting other people who don't know him at all. Because of his character. And then he ends with, to him be the glory. Let Jesus be truly glorified. Well, you know, 13 weeks we spent overseas. The last three weeks of it we spent with my father and mother. In their homelands of England and Denmark. On the final day of our time there in Copenhagen, it was raining most of the day. I went to Tivoli Gardens, a place I used to visit as a child. You know, it was a, Tivoli Gardens is like a fun, uh, a very sophisticated lunar park. <laughs> <laughs> I did some of the things I did as a child. It was a great joy. And then I wanted to get Fritz and remolera. That's chips and a, a lovely sauce. Something I had as a child. We hadn't been able to get it anywhere in Copenhagen. Then I went into a a shop to buy some ties for my son. Ties like this, you know, not many of you are wearing ties today, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, I went to buy some ties for my son, and I got talking to the man in this very sophisticated shop in Copenhagen. And he, he he was interested in in philosophy and life, and I start talking about Jesus. My wife keeps tugging me, saying, we've got to go. I've spent half an hour talking to this guy about Jesus. He's talking about this. And then I said to him, oh, I really want some pommes frites and leather. He said, wait a minute. Goes over to the, picks up the phone, in Danish. I don't speak Danish, but I understand a little bit. And he's talking to the restaurant upstairs in this, this sophisticated place, to the, to the chef, telling about this customer in the store who wants pomfritz and remue leather. Well, he said, uh, go upstairs. It's all fixed. <laughs> we went upstairs, and there was the man. He must have cut the chips. He, they were the most beautiful chips. <laughs> he served two, two lots to us. We could virtually hardly eat it all. That's the God I worship. He does them, and he cares about the little things. And then, on this rainy day, we go to Deerhaven, which is a, a, a park, a, a massive park with deer, as you can see here. And we go with my parents to end the time. My father used to love Doerhaven too. And as we're there, the deer come from everywhere all around us. The sky breaks and the sun just begins shine through and my father who was not really a born-again Christian when I was growing up he was a God-fearing man but over this trip he asked me to pray every single day and every single day God did miracles for us and on this day there's my dad he's looking into the heavens he's just in awe of the God we worship He's a God who hears and answers the prayers of his people. My brothers and sisters, pray for me. Pray for each other. Read Ephesians three fourteen to 21 and pray it every day for each other. You will see God move in your church. You'll see God move in your hearts. But pray it for us too, not just for you. <laughs> I prayed this for my wife virtually every day. And the love of God has flowed out of her amazingly towards me. Let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who loves each of us here so much. And we only long, Father, that we would know more, each one of us, of his love for us. That we would be able to express his love to others. And we ask that you would help us all to take hold of this truth that we need to bow our knees before you and pray for this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for having me.
0: Wasn't that good? you feel fed, right? You feel fed. You know, that's one of the things that I I really love about the body of Christ. Um, You gain different aspects of Jesus. that cannot just be contained within one individual or one church. So, which means now I have to wear a tie. (laughs) And then last week, I had to wear a robe at Anglican Church, you know. But... um, I just want to be able to um, call for a response. You know, we've been journeying through this for the last seven years. And we can have a whole bunch of mechanisms. We can have activities and strategies. But let's listen to what God has been doing in our church this year. If there's anything at all, you can feel that there's a life. But we all know that that life is not self-generated. Using Pastor Michael's language, that life comes from heaven down to earth into your hearts we can't manufacture that but that is the only thing that can come from God and what is it that makes the church unique and distinct is God, amen a God in us but God through us and that has always been a heartbeat of our vision to represent Jesus to everyone everywhere but you are not Jesus but Jesus is in you But it all has to start not with knowledge, not like you said, just with education, as important as that is, but out of intimacy, encounters with the living God, the Holy Spirit in and through your life. Can I hear an amen? Not a one-time encounter, not a 20 years ago type encounter, but an everyday weekly encounter where we pursue God, we position ourselves humbly before Him and say, God, I need an encounter with you an encounter to which people will look upon and go, surely they have been with Jesus. And that is my encouragement to all of us. Have we all been with Jesus? Will we continue to be with Jesus? In whatever highs and lows that you have been, He is with you. Will you be with Him? Can I hear an amen? And so, my encouragement, I believe that that we need to respond in some way. Maybe we can all rise to our feet. I just want to invite the prayer team here. I believe that God would have encountered some of us here this morning. Whether it be an issue that you want to unroot yourself from the things of the world and to be heavenly minded again. Whether it is because you and I know we've been plagued with sin and God wants to set us free. Amen? Whether or not it is to go, look, we we just need to humble ourselves and Maybe it's got to do with fathering and and being able to bow down on our knee and say to our sons and go, I'm sorry for the way I was harsh towards you. You can now start calling me bro. 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 That's a a bit of a repentance rewiring there as an Asian dad, right? That that can be respectful. Bro. But I just really feel that we need to respond in some ways, okay? And I believe you know that too. So just really quickly, just before I pray and close, I also want to bring an announcement for those who have been here for a while. Um, Ray Thorpe, who used to be a member of our church, has been with us for decades. Uh, we just found out um, that he passed away uh, last night. Um, so we will inform everyone uh, on social media or whatever, through some channels, around when his celebration service will be. But our heart goes out to you, Robert. Um, but we just want to let uh, some of our church members know. So why do I pray right now, we're we're going to hand it over uh, to the worship team, to lead us in worship. I want us to look up and respond to how God has encountered you this morning and for us to respond in kind. So let me pray. Lord God, we just want to thank you. We thank you for the way you speak through your word. We thank you for the way you speak through the different body of Christ, God. And pray right now, God, we thank you that you're a God that desires to draw near to us as we draw near to you. And God, I thank you that when you, we encounter you, it does something in us that nothing else is able to do. A strengthen in our inner being, in our inner spirit, that nothing else in this world can give. And so Lord, right now, I just pray God, I know that you have res- uh, moved and acted and, and, and you know encountered each and every one of us. But God, we just pray that we will be able to respond. Our heart is soft and responsive to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We just want to say, God, Jesus, we want to respond and draw near to you. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen.